Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, uh, here we are back in our series on hermeneutics. It's been fun, and we've been getting lots of good feedback from uh, some of our listeners. I got a, I got some feedback from one of our listeners, uh, Jeremy, who uh, who said that uh, I had I had not only uh, by uh, crushing the biblical hero narrative uh, of be like David, it had stopped him from it had stopped him from. Uh, um, thinking he could slay giants, and it also thought it kept him from made him suddenly realize that he can't, um, you know, uh, murder Philistines or or uh, uh, or uh, commit unspeakable acts. So uh, he said, "I really ruined his weekend." Yeah, yeah, we got great feedback on that. Uh, we ruffled a lot of feathers. You can tell that this was a little bit of a sacred cow. Uh, even in the reform camp, which I was kind of re- surprised by that, you know, just uh, for for giggles, I I put the Matt Chandler gif from his uh, Desiring God message a few years back, where he explained, "You're not David," um, and it just it repeats, "You are not David" on the gif when I mm, posted sure. about the episode, and I posted in a few groups that we're in just to kind of promote the the app and the amount of. Um, feather ruffling jimmy rustling that we got um from just the gif about the episode without people clicking and and subscribing which i really would wish you would download it and go ahead and critique it for me but um the amount of just upsetness that we got uh over the gif uh of you're not david and that hermeneutic you could tell this is one that uh, unfortunately, has kind of been pushed, right? Uh, Louis Giglio had a had a book a couple of years back. Yep. Um, every every, Gol- every Goliath must fall, something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I love Louis, and you know, and I'm indebted to him for a lot of his his stuff with the Passion Conference when I was in college. But you know, you just you have that, and, and you're surprised at how many people, even in our camp. Um, that would hold to the same re- redemptive historical Christocentric hermeneutic, uh, a way of viewing the Bible in layman ter- layman's terms uh, that we do. How people still hold on to that that spot, and when you start to kind of question, and I know Jeremy was kind of kidding with you, but um, there there were some upset folks <laughs> just by us kind of pressing on that. So our our intention is never to upset you, but if if in the the course of of study and conversation, as we show you things in the Bible, if the the metaphorical glass shatters for you and you realize, man, I believe something really inaccurate, um, we're okay with that. Let's dialogue about it. Let's talk about it. We want to hear from you. Absolutely, and 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 if if we are exploding some of your paradigms and some of your categories, um, we want to be totally honest that. 
These are categories that we used to hold to. These are categories for us that that were one time exploded and that we had to we were maybe at times kind of drug kicking and screaming to hold this view uh, that we think is consistent with how the Bible is uh, is given to us and how we can responsibly read it. So the one that we're going to talk about today is a phrase. Um, well, let me just give it to you uh, apart from any of its context, and that is, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I, there am I among them. That is Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Gage, what, what, in what context, or rather, how do people typically employ or reference this verse? What, what would might be going on that somebody might say, well, the Bible says... Well, brother, this is this is the one that we use when when we host a Bible study, when we host a prayer meeting, uh, when we host an event, um, and a lot of people don't show up, and we're kind of upset that we did all this planning and preparation for this event, and a handful of people show up. So to um, kind of gloss over the situation and Con- to, to console ourselves, yes. To to um, I guess validate that we're that what we're doing still um, is needed and important, even though Bible study is and prayer meeting is in and of itself. We'll add this verse to that to justify. Well, it's okay that well, there's only a handful of us here tonight because you know where two or three are gathered, there we are in midst. If if church attendance is down for a service because of sickness or because the weather or the Super Bowl is on. Well, that's okay. You know where two or three are gathered. Christ well, is there. Yeah, and and I would say there's those are those are maybe the more innocuous um ways in which we might employ this verse. I would actually say Hey, you know, my, my family, uh, hey, Pastor, uh, sorry that we weren't at church this past Sunday, but my family, we went camping instead. But you know what? That's okay, because where two or three are gathered, uh, I am there among them. So do I really need the gathered church if I can just gather with my, my wife? I mean, can't my wife and I have church at home because, well, there's two of us. And the Lord is there, so I think that's the. I think that is the context in which it often is. Is that it's a. It can serve, in it can serve in some consoling ways to help me not feel so bad about my uh, my lackluster attendance for my uh, prayer group or my Bible meeting, which we we ought not, um, you know, be despair over low attendance. That's not the end of the world. But I think the the more dangerous one is is when we use it as a license to excuse um, or explain away the necessity of the gathered corporate body on the Lord's day. Because hey, I, I can take my son out on the lake on a Sunday, and the Lord is there. And so, what do I really need church for? Well, and, and if you're in the South. Especially this time of year, it's deer season, brother. You know, I, I can I can be with God in the deer stand just like I can be with Him in the pew. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and if and 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 by the way, we did an episode on this in our in our unhelpful Christian phrases series. Uh, I don't really need the church if I've got the Bible. Uh, and so I would I would implore folks to go back to season two and listen to that. 
uh, as we unpack the necessity of the gathered body. And the the truth is, Gage, as we unpack Matthew chapter 18 in its context, we're going to see not only does this verse not um, explain away the need for the church, not only does this verse not minimize the necessity of the local congregation, this verse actually shows the necessity of it. This actually, this verse actually lifts up the 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 corporate gathered body of the church. So this is Matthew chapter eighteen. The the text is uh, the famous in context is the famous church discipline passage um, uh, of what church discipline is. And let me say a second real quick about church discipline because that's a a a very often lacking thing in church today. The, the idea of church discipline has fallen out of favor. We think of uh, discipline sounds like spankings, and spankings are are bad. So let's not talk about church discipline because that sounds like the scarlet letter. Right? That sounds like that sounds like uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which I don't know if I'm even using that reference right because I've never watched that show. So maybe that's not a good <laughs> Uh, it, that sounds that sounds uh, uh, puritanical. We don't want that. But the truth is, the, the word discipline comes from the word disciple, and so in some sense, all everyone in the church is under church discipline, is in that we are all being discipled by the church. Um, but the, the th- we would say in in our reformed world, the three marks of the church, the three things that make a church a church, is that the word is rightly preached, the sacraments are rightly administered, and that church discipline is exercised. So that's what that's what's going on in this passage. And if you miss that, then you completely miss what's going on in verse twenty. Well, and I would even say, you know, this is one of those places where. I know we alluded to the fact that the the subtitles and the titles aren't actually inspired. They aren't in the original text. But this is where actually seeing the subtitles, it it gives you a little bit of context here. It's a conversation at the beginning of chapter 18 about who's the greatest, right? Jesus has announced his kingdom is coming. The... Um, disciples and others are looking for this political leader that's going to make Israel great again. And they're going to try to figure out where in Jesus's metaphorical cabinet, they, they can have a position, right? Jesus, who's going to be at your right hand? Who's going to be your, your, your Alexander Hamilton, right? Who's, who's going to be the, the guy. And then Jesus just has a conversation with the issue with that, man. You're, you guys are, are getting tempted to a level of pride that you don't quite understand. Let me tell you actually what greatness looks like in the kingdom. And let me tell you why I'm only one, the only one that's actually great in the kingdom. And let me tell you where you actually are. And it's it's all in that, right? The temptation to sin, the parable of the lost sheep that leads to this conversation of, so when you forget who you are and you offend one another and you sin against one another because you're fighting for your greatness and you're missing the point of what the kingdom is about and you, you forgot the fact that you should come to me like a little child and that you are actually lost sheep that I'm gathering to myself because of that, when you forget, cause you're going to forget, here's what you do. Here's how this conversation should go. 
Yeah, and and the other thing that as Jesus sets about this purpose uh, of church discipline, um, it's built upon, it comes on the heels of the parable of the lost sheep, and and, uh, would he not leave the 99 and go and find the one? In other words, would he not go to great pains, great effort to restore one to repentance who is wayward? And so since he would... Since Jesus is the good shepherd, you likewise should as well. So this process that he's going to spell out here that we're going to talk about is a is a real-world application version of what's given in parable form in the parable of the lost sheep. So here's a little story, the parable of the lost sheep, 99, go get the one, bring them back, and there's much rejoicing, right? There's not that's that's the story. And now let me show you how that plays out in the life of a congregation. So let, let me read the passage and we'll talk about it a little bit. If your brothers, this is starting in verse 15, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector." Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So it's, you know, it's also important... um, as we've we've talked about every week, we read all the stuff up to fifteen to twenty. Also, pay attention to what happens right after this. So Jesus unpacks the church discipline um, format, if we, if you will. Right, if your brother offends you, go to him. If he's not listening to you, grab a couple other brothers and and let, let's have this conversation. If if they're seeing if they're seeing a particular sin that's going on. If that's not working, then you you gotta you gotta escalate the situation. Understanding, and and we'll get get to this in just a minute. Using the Old Testament law here, where two or three witnesses uh, make a case true, where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst, serving in the in the courts here. And then notice what happens. This also helps you understand the context. Jesus and Peter start having a conversation about forgiveness. And Peter basically says, okay, at, to what length do we need to go here, right? Uh, Timothy Keller has a fantastic sermon on, on this passage where he basically uh, explains the depth of the 70 times 7 portion of, the, of this, this latter part in 21 to the end of the chapter that Peter says, okay, there's a limit though, right? Like there's a part where I can just cut this toxic relationship out of my life. Yeah, let's not let's not get ridic- ridiculous with this Jesus. Put some parameters on it. So so one time, right? After one time, after I've turned the cheek, I only have two cheeks. After two cheeks, I'm done, right? Um so 
and the Jesus says no to the uttermost because Christ is the one who in himself absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf so we, the wicked, could be justified. The enemy could be forgiven. We could be forgiven to the uttermost, right? And so it's important as you know the context about greatness and the parable of the lost sheep, you then take the conversation with Peter about forgiveness and how far does this really need to go. Now you place this conversation about church discipline sandwiched in between those, those events. And you see, this has nothing to do with low attendance to your event. None, none whatsoever. This has, this has nothing to do with um, you having church in your deer stand. Right. Right. Um, this has everything to do with understanding how to forgive your brother. Well, and it has everything to do with giving the church confidence that when they follow this uh, this restoration blueprint as it has been laid out, that this is Jesus' model that he's giving his church for how they may restore uh, um, restore sinners back into the fold, and he wants to give them confidence that as they do this, as they walk through this lovingly, carefully, prayerfully, that I'm there with you. You, I, I have your back here. I'm with you as you go about the work of the church of seeking and saving the lost, of going about the work of of restoring people back to uh, back to fellowship with the gathered body. And so, what he's wanted, just as when he says to the disciples, "I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on heaven on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." What's he doing? He's giving them confidence that I have given you the authority to do these things in my name. So now, for example, I want to be honest. If someone were to, if someone were to say, Hey, I want to check out what, uh, Scott, Pastor Scott does at Hope Church Hot Springs, and I'm going to go on Facebook live and watch one of their services. Uh, if they were to do that, we do a, a call to worship every week where everybody stands and, and recites a, a Bible passage together, and then I will pray a prayer of invocation where we are asking God to be present among us. And I will often say, Father, would you be pleased to to meet with us this morning, just as you tell us in your word that where two or three are gathered, that there you are among us? Because in that, I'm actually saying I believe that that verse is about the work of the church as they gather together on the Lord's day to do this very thing that's described here, to bring the, the bring the word to bear on all of the congregation. So I, I'm not going to use that in in those other in those other sort of non-corporate gathering contexts that we so often hear. I think too, um, as the goal of assurance of pardon is always to help explain reformed theology um, with those in mind that may be new to this, right? The RUF student, the new church member, the person new to Presbyterianism. Um, Your church may have never talked about or executed church discipline ever. So this concept of church discipline may be completely foreign to you, um, or you may have heard, well, those cranky Presbyterians, they're constantly always looking for sin sin in people's lives and to beat them over the head with it. And there's been a misunderstanding of what actually is happening here. Understand, as you read the context of the the chapter, and as you see um, in our BCO, 
for example, uh, how we how we underline uh, how church discipline goes. The book, I think, of church, the book, yeah, of book church order, book of church order. Yeah, don't don't uh, you, you'll get a little too inside baseball for some folks. Yeah, book of church order BCO. Uh, this it's our our manual, our bylaws, right? Um, so. As you see those things laid out, particularly in this passage, as you see it laid out, the goal of church discipline is always, 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 always restoration. It, it's never, we're not trying to excommunicate and kick people out if we can prevent it. Now, there, yeah. there, there are times where it's obvious that repentance is not going to come, but the goal and the hope and the desire is always restoration. Yeah, I would say there's there's three goals. We would say one, the 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 purity of the church, the restoration of the believer, and the glory of God. I want to I want to talk about one particular phrase in here as we talk about this in context. When Jesus says, "And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector." Well, you know what does that mean? As a Gentile and a tax collector, does that mean that I now have Jesus' permission to hate and disdain that person? <laughs> of course not. But well, you have to go. Okay, well, I've read the Gospels. How did Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors? Well, he, he treated he treated them as people whom he loved, who needed forgiveness, and to whom he was offering reconciliation. So, yes. in in church discipline, the goal is not to extract a pound of flesh. The goal is not to make someone pay. The goal is for the person to repent and be restored. So, to treat someone as a gentile or a tax collector is to treat someone who is un, as treat them as someone who is unsaved and who needs to repent of their sins and trust Jesus. Uh, we we do this when when we receive new members at our church. We, uh, um, you mentioned the, the, the book of church order. We have uh, uh, five membership questions that we ask people um, uh, uh, as they come to join. You know, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, saving his sovereign mercy? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? And then do you now resolve and humble and promise and humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you'll endeavor to live as becomes followers of Christ. Uh, do you support the promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? And then here's this last question. Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace? And this is why we believe church membership is so important, because if there is not church membership, because that is church membership has fallen out of favor. We might talk about that on a future episode that many people think church membership, that makes it sound like the church is a health club or a, a resort or something. Why do we need a membership role? Well, clearly we have a picture here of, of then you have to have something where it, what does it mean then to set them outside of the church and say, right. this is the church and you're outside of the church. And so if you, if you say, we don't believe in church membership, then the, the risk is our, our argument we would humbly submit is then I don't know how you do this. I don't know right. how you do what's being talked about here. Um, so because part of church membership, it means that everybody in this body, we've all agreed to submit ourselves to the discipline and correction of the church, lovingly, judiciously, carefully. Uh, and, and one of that, uh, and one of the means that churches will employ in the case of those in the congregation who will not repent when lovingly confronted by another 
and then a few more, and then the many, is to restrict that person from participating in the Lord's Supper because they've refused to receive the correction of the church. They've refused to respond to the careful and pleading discipline as it's been as it's been extended out. And, and so in doing so, they've set themselves, they have set themselves outside of the congregation. And I would say this too, when I explain church membership to, to people that maybe didn't have it at other congregations and this is new to you, you know, I would also say, um, let me be clear. When you, you're t- saying, I'm going to submit to the, the authority of the church, the governing and the practice of the church, if I'm going to seek its purity and its peace, right? I want to, I don't want to be a troublemaker. I don't want to cause division. I'm not trying to stir the pot and I'm not trying to argue with, with every church member on Facebook about my political stance or whatever. Um, The other side of that is understand that this isn't an opportunity for Scott and Gage to, to have a power trip, right? This isn't something that we are, um, desiring to just, we want to be the boss and we want to be the leader. And look, we have this documented. Um, we, the, the scripture also says, we're going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account for everything we told you. We're going to have to give an account to Jesus for how we shepherded you, how we represented as under shepherds, the chief shepherd of the church in the way that we cared for you, in the way that we loved you, in the way that we led you. So I have to know who that is, right? I have to understand the boundaries of who, who am I actually accountable for? Who am I actually shepherding? Whose soul am I actually responsible for to care for, to shepherd, to give the gospel to and all that? So that's why you have to have church membership is because you got to know who you're accountable for. The other side of that is as Christians, as you're dealing with these things, as you see, maybe you have some sin that someone needs to come and and talk to you about, or you see some things in in a brother or sister's life that you're like, man, that's problematic. And I I feel like my friend is heading down a path that's this dangerous. Mm -hmm. You got to know who that is, right? You just walk up to random people and go, Hey, I know we never met, but I need to tell you about the sin in your life, right? Like there's, there's actual boundaries and context that, that church membership as it's defined in a healthy way, right? Shout out to Mark Dever and those guys, right? Like as church memberships defined in a healthy way and here in the context of either Matthew 18, it gives you the boundaries to be able to have these conversations. And I would even say Let's remove the uh, the rigidness of what we even think about with church discipline, because I know we talked about the book and church order, and you can think about when you think about a manual, well, we've got to follow the rules. Let's remove that for just a second, and just think about this in natural context of conversation. Matthew 18 should be a regular, regular rhythm in the life of the church. You should constantly know that sin in your life and in the life of your brothers and sisters, your family is harmful. Sin leads to death. Sin is crushing. Sin prevents you from seeing Jesus as ultimate and Jesus as your savior. And it and it's it's poisonous, right? So if you look at this context and you say, man, this should be an ongoing conversation to where I want my brothers and sisters to protect me. And I want to try to protect them, not so I can boss you around, but because I love you and because I want the best for you. 
let's have conversations. This isn't just, I want to drag you to the elders and tattle on you. This is, Hey, sin's a big deal. And I want to, let's, let's fight this together. Yeah. I think this, this does a, a good job, hopefully of giving you guys some context of, of what that phrase does. You know, we could obviously do another 30 minutes on expositing all of everything that's going on here and talk about church discipline and different resources. Let me give you just a couple real quick that I, I think are helpful. One, our, our friends over at uh, Christ in Context, Kevin and, and Luke, they're part of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. They just did an episode, their most recent episode came out on Monday, episode 19, um, deals with this passage. Go go check it out. It's a, a great, helpful resource. Uh, as you're thinking about church discipline, Scott, what are some resources that you would recommend? Matthew 18. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, it's... it's it, it, if. It, I, this this may be uh, not the kind of this may sound like the dry uh, reading that you would not expect that you wouldn't really recommend to somebody, but I would actually because again our our hopeful audience here is non Presbyterians is mm-hmm. is people that are that are new to this tradition, um, it, and so I, you've you've referenced a couple of times the Presbyterian Church in America's Book of Church Order. Uh, hey, go go online and and check that out. It, it's it's actually I think you'll find it super helpful. So you could go to uh, the you could just Google PCA uh, Book of Church Order or PCA BCO um, as it's often called, and there are several sites that have PDFs of it. No need to buy it. It's, a, it's kind of expensive to get you it. You can download the, the app. There's an app. There's a BCO there's, app. There's an iOS BCO app. You can download that and, and check that out. Uh, and, and and you'll see how we as a denomination have thought through how to how to apply this carefully and judiciously because we, we think this is a serious work that the church is called to do. Um, and and we need to we need to uh, you talked about this being a regular pattern in life. Uh, you you don't want church discipline to be this this weapon in the tool chest that's never brought out, except in these extreme circumstances whereby everybody just shakes with fear, thinking, "Oh my goodness, I didn't know they had a machete back there." Mm-hmm. Right, and and so it needs to be so regular. Not that not that every week we're bringing somebody up in front of the congregation. It needs to be rare. It needs. Yeah to be uh, lord willing it is rare that we're not you know coming in and saying hey church listen gage has a meth lab and he <laughs> sells drugs behind the circle k uh um and we've we've tried to get him to shut down his meth lab and he just won't so we're gonna and you know and then the following week it's uh something else N- by, by no means although when when i teach our new members class i will I will often use. Uh, I'll often point to like one of our elders and say, "Let's say so and so has a meth lab, and we can't get him to shut it down." He's the, uh, he's uh, the Walter White of Hot Springs, Arkansas. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll use that as an example. So, hopefully, church discipline, as it relates to the third tier of bringing it before the congregation, hopefully that's not happening often. Hopefully that level is not happening because the goal is is that this is settled. You might say in the lower courts. Uh, um, one-on-one because the pattern here is the one and then, and then the, the few and then the many as, right. as we are, as we're doing this. And that, that's a protection against the, the, 
the person who who to whom we're extending this discipline to is that this is not the goal is not for the entire congregation to hear about what what's going on in this person's life mm. that, that that might be really really difficult and so the yes. goal is, is to is to gradually do this and uh, and and be be just careful and judicious with it, but to talk about this process often, mm-hmm. uh, as often as you can, so that um, so that it doesn't seem like um, this sort of draconian tool that we only bring out in these extreme circumstances um, because we're the church elders are super mad and they just can't take it anymore, and so we're going we're going to go nuclear. Uh, that's not the way it should be thought of at all. This is this is a this is a, a a loving means that we we use. So, Gage, I think that's all the time we have for today. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, this was helpful to you. If you have questions about this, if this is completely foreign to you, if if you your entire life is have been misapplying where two or three are gathered, do you want to talk about it? We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can always email us at contact at assuranceofpardon.com or visit our website uh, and send us a message that way. We'd always love to hear from you. Um, if you think, hey, this is super helpful, and I've actually been having this conversation with a with a friend lately, share this episode. Share the Christ in Context episode that we mentioned. Uh, like and subscribe and leave us a review so that others on the platforms uh, that you listen to your podcast with can can see it and we can grow and we can we can always we're all all trying to chase uh joel staying out of that number one spot on podcast platforms that that's really our, our goal and so if you would leave us a review we'd love to hear from you as always this is assurance of pardon god bless